Credits Due, the podcast where we break down an actor's filmography one movie at a time. I am Ben Cron, and with me today is Tyler Owen. Put your peanuts in the microwave and get them real hot. And Neil Potter. Greetings! <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> How was the fade on that? I started pretty far back and came in. It so. was excellent. It, it sounded it was good. Amazing. Okay, yeah, good. It was, it was good. amazing. Good. Yeah, very good. Do you good. want to do an, another take on it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Greetings. That's good. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's good. It, Thank it's you. like yeah. we, we could start an audio drama where you're like a parasailor and you're like swooping in. Oh, nice. Oh, I'm, let's do it. Nice. Yeah. I'm on board. That's Let's perfect. skip the show. We're doing that. <laughs> you know what? Real quick. Let's talk about um, the movie The Kids Are All Right. Uh, oh, we okay. are on part 14 of our series on Julianne Moore. We're talking about the 2010 film The Kids Are All Right. Uh, directed by... Uh, uh oh, I didn't look this up beforehand. <laughs> so Coming on this hot. Directed Lisa by Lisa Choladenko. Lisa Choladenko. Apologies, that is, has to be incorrect. Uh, <laughs> it stars Annette Benning, Julianne Moore, and the hunk Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's what it says in IMDb, too. The Hung. I am Mark reading Ruffle. it off of IMDb. <laughs> um, uh, as always, we'll start with some film trivia uh, about the movie. Then we'll dive into our full spoiler-filled discussion on The Kids Are Alright. And we'll end with some final thoughts and some recommendations. So, Tyler, you ready for some film trivia? I think so. Yeah, every episode I've got uh, four bits of trivia that I pull together, and uh, one of them I make up, and you guys got to figure out which one it is. So, number one, Julianne Moore received the script and agreed to star in the film five years before filming began. Number two, Mark Ruffalo filmed his role in only six days. Number three, with over 70,000 per theater upon its initial, initial release, the Kids Are All Right had the highest per theater average of any movie for all of 2010. Number four, the film went on to make more than $68 million on a $4 million budget. All right, which one is the fake, Ben? Oh, man. Uh, hmm. I gotta say, I gotta go with the Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo only filmed his part in six days. That has to be fake. All right, Neil. That's incorrect, Ben, because Mark Ruffalo, <laughs> constant professional. The answer is obviously A, Julian Moore did not have this planned five years in advance because she is not a, a constant professional. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Shots fired. Okay. <laughs> She's a uh, butthead. Well, I... That's one. <laughs> Between the last episode and this one, Julian Moore did something to really offend Neil. Uh, well, you're both wrong because it did, definitely did not make sixty-eight million dollars. It, uh, it, it made thirty-four, so half of that. Um, still, really, really great on, for uh, an indie film. Yeah. Um, 
but it, despite that, uh, it actually did have the highest per theater average yeah. for its initial release because its initial release was only seven theaters and uh, it made $70,000 per theater. And then wow. it expanded over the course of the next month and a half or so. And it was eventually in like 860 some theaters. Uh, so that's how it was able to raise the 34 million over its run. But yeah, it's uh, it was, this is like that that indie success story, right? Like it it um, the reason it was filmed so quickly and why uh, Mark Ruffalo filmed his role in six days was because they were literally racing to meet the Sundance Film Festival submission deadline, and it had a bunch of accolades from that, and it just kept gaining momentum and um yeah it got a ton of great reviews from prominent reviewers like roger ebert gave it three and a half stars and so yeah it just kind of snowballed from there and went on to do really really well yeah and i think they were talking like oscars like at sundance like i think yeah, the yeah. the entire narrative of this movie was like oscar win oscar win oscar win and mm-hmm. it got several nomination or got four nominations um best performance for mark ruffalo and annette benning uh and then original screenplay and best picture which i mean those are those are the four big ones really yeah (laughs) yeah um and yeah i remember this movie um a lot because i i saw this movie when it came the year it came out um, because it got nominated for Best Picture. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think it's uh, it's well-deserved. Um, yeah, this movie uh, had been on my radar since it released for the same reasons, but for whatever reason, it was just one of those ones that slipped through the cracks for me, and I had never seen it until now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, I was excited to watch it, and I, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, it's not a movie that has really stuck around, like, social conscious, right? Like, it yeah. kind of, once the Academy Awards, like, aired, you know, this movie, like a lot of movies, like, people just stop talking about it. And mm-hmm. um, that's kind of, it's only a shame because I feel like Annette Benning is such a huge star and she is, like, amazing in this movie. But I feel like she just kind of vanishes for several years until she, like, pops up in a movie like this or, you know, she's the villain in a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, very true. I guess that was kind of spoilers, but you don't know what Marvel yeah, movie I'm talking about. so. Um, Neil, what did you think of this? Um, I actually, I had not seen or heard of this before. Uh, I brought it up to my wife, what I was watching, and she was like, she had heard of it. Um, so like at that point, I knew it must've been something that I just completely missed out on. Uh, but just uh, kind of up front, I, I, I did enjoy this, uh, and we'll get into reasons why in our discussion. But uh, yeah, overall, I thought it was good. I thought it was it had some good comedic moments in it that were I was not expecting, in all honesty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was very funny. Yeah, it's it's very like it's kind of funny because as you 
as you kind of think about this movie, it seems like a very Oscar bait movie. Like it's about two, like it's about a family with two moms and the kids are like trying to find their, like their dad, like technically their dad, but it was just a sperm donor. Right. And it feels like Mm -hmm. a very, it feels like a very Oscar baity movie, but this is like, really it's like just a comedic romp. Right. And Mm -hmm. it like, it all builds up to this huge dramatic climax, but this is very like, uh, like, uh Oh, like she's driving around on her dad's motorcycle and her mom, you know, her mom's really mad about it. Like it's (laughs) very, there's a lot of very like comedic, like moments in this movie. that are just like, just like, Oh man, they're just, they're just so mad at each other for kind of silly reasons. <laughs> yeah, it, but it's like it's not that like joke comedy kind of thing, you know. Like it's it's all situational stuff where mm-hmm. it, it plays out like the the funniest moments uh, compilation of a a real family, right? Yeah. So it, that's it felt very real at, uh, almost throughout the whole film. There are a few parts that I was like, eh, not sure if I buy that, but I mean, it's it's an extreme it's an extreme modern family, right? Like this is a, a crazy scenario that very few people have ever experienced. I'm sure. Um, but all that being said, it's not like none of this could, it's not like it couldn't happen. Right. Well, probably every adopted child goes through this. I mean, when they turn 18, I think it's natural to think about your biological, like parentage. <laughs> well, right? I'm not sure every adopted child finds their birth father and then their uh, birth father has an, a, oh, no, 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 an no, affair with like, their second mom. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? That didn't happen to you guys? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm adopted? <laughs> uh oh. Whoops. Um, Cats out of the bag now. Uh, Tyler, God. your dad is Mark Ruffalo. And he's, oh, uh, actually, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's not what I meant. I meant like the premise of this movie of a child seeking out their <laughs> yeah. their biological, like just for like ancestry reasons, right, mm-hmm. and medical yeah. reasons, like. And yeah, I mean the comedic farce happens when he's like, "Yeah, we found our." our dad and he's a super hottie and now one of my moms is in love with him (laughs) 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 which i'm sure has happened to a fraction of a percent of real people um Um, i would i would just like to add real quick this is this movie actually hooked me right away from the beginning by playing my favorite vampire weekend song so oh, yeah, it's that's a good song. Then it nailed it. It nailed it from the get go, and I <laughs> brought, I brought me right back to 2010. Man. <laughs> right? Heck yeah! This campus rock has really got me, man. <laughs> uh, I have a confession. I don't listen to Vampire Weekend, so I you're and you're an asshole, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm on fire, man. Say <laughs> yeah. So I I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't even remember like the song cousins. It's like a montage. It is cousins. Yeah. Okay. It's good. Cool. 
Um, let's talk about the elephant in the room, guys. Josh Hutchinson. <laughs> His character's... I was really wondering what you're going to say. <laughs> His character's name is Laser. L-A-S-E-R. Oh, really? I didn't, I'm not sure I noticed that. <laughs> really? I, I don't know. <laughs> Slapped me across the face every time someone said it. <laughs> no, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty obvious. <laughs> My favorite scene in the movie is when they're all having dinner and... Joni Mitchell, the artist Joni Mitchell gets brought up and they're like, uh, they're like, yeah, we love Joni Mitchell. We named our first child after her. And then there is like, <laughs> it's, I was just like waiting for someone to be like, oh, that's really touching. Uh, what's the story behind Laser's name? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, good point. We're also, <laughs> they, we're also just fans of refracted light into like a concentrated beam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah, could not, a, I couldn't, I could not get over just how his name is Laser. The, oh, I love the I love the moment like in the first time I think that like the first time they meet with their sperm donor dad and he, he's like oh yeah what do you do Lays and he's like uh, it's it's a laser actually that was that was probably one of my favorite like funny moments of the film because it's just so absurd like the, the the kid's name is Laser and he's like trying to be cool by shortening Laser to Lays. Uh, <laughs> all out of touch adults just do that. They try to act yeah. cool. Well, actually, I it's I thought that was really funny that that Mark Ruffalo's character actually did come across as like a pretty cool guy, but then I loved how everyone else was making fun of him. <laughs> 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 like the scene when they they uh, the two moms go to the uh, like hardware store to pick up gardening stuff, and they're like, oh yeah, I, I make all my own food in my own garden. <laughs> like m- mocking his voice and all of it. I was like, oh my god, we were dying. <laughs> my wife and I was, That's uh, a very tw- like, in 2010 and that probably he probably came across as more of a weirdo because like that's before yeah, like all the like buy local stuff like really became a thing yeah um, i guess like they could have played that they could have played into that more as a joke if like he wasn't actually depicted as fairly successful at what yeah. he does. So I feel like that kind of balanced it out a little bit. Like, so you're like, Oh wow. That, he, he must be a pretty good chef. And like, it seems like he's doing a really awesome job. And he, the, it's just like the way that they perceive him because of that. Cause they don't know him very well mm-hmm. that they like make fun of that part of him. I thought that was just really funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also like how, like he has this, uh, kind of this like friends with benefits relationship um, with that woman and it's unclear if they're dating um, or anything it seems like it's very like no strings attached but like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but like every like all of his coworkers just also want to fuck him too (laughs) like yeah, which brings up a good question that I need to have the answer from for you guys. Yes, I would it, fuck Mark Ruffalo. 
<laughs> so that's what you're going to ask, right? <laughs> I mean, it, it pretty much was. Yeah, <laughs> I was, was yeah. going to ask, like, is he attractive? Because I, I could go either way. I don't know. <laughs> I think I'm the kind of is... in that same camp. <laughs> oh, like, really? it, he's just. I, I yeah. think he's one of those people where if he wasn't famous, people would be like, eh, he's a six. <laughs> oh. Like, he's got yeah. that, like, Hollywood, yeah. um, like, Hollywood everyman look that when they're famous, people are like, oh, he is so hot. And I'm just like, uh, I'm not sure I buy it, but, I mean, I guess I can kind of see it sometimes, but, yeah. He's I was like, like man, sh- this is like a stone-cold hottie that it's all up on him, and I'm right. like, mm. I don't, I don't know, know about that. He's like Adrian Brody or Adam Driver. You just yes. like, <laughs> yeah. He's yeah, like, he's kind of lumpy. Like his face is kind of. I don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the the thing that I think the lip the wait whiplash that I had with this like him being being this like super hunk was mm-hmm. that I think it's Bruce since. I know him mostly from Bruce Banner, especially recently, of him playing Bruce Banner in these Marvel movies. And Bruce Banner, I don't think, is attractive. And yeah. he, but he, that's like the character. He's kind of this slubby nerd. Right. Um, but I think he's attractive in this movie. And I think in like Zodiac and like movies around this era. Like he he has a ruggedness about him. I'll, yeah. I'll say that much. And, and he and, has this yeah. like charm, this like everyman charm. And maybe that's the key, right? Like mm-hmm. he does. He he is very likable in this film, even when he's being super dorky. Like it's just he puts off a fun vibe, you know. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, I love the f- the first phone call they have when, um, <laughs> when they're trying <laughs> to explain that she has two moms. At, um, yeah. Uh, Mia Wachachowski, uh, she's like, she's like, yeah, two moms, as in gay. And he's like, she's like, he's like, right on, lesbians. I love I lesbians. Love les- <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I love her response to that too, was great. Just like, oh, cool. <laughs> I, I can't believe you just said that. And his, like, silent cringe, too, that he, like, knew, yep. he knew it was terrible. Uh, yeah, that was great. Yeah, it's... he. His, like, part is so cool in this movie because he's, like... He has, like, no... He's, like, trying to relate to these kids, like, as if they're his children. But also he's he's like thrown into this family not knowing them and not knowing like anything about them Mm -hmm. um and then just like kind of clashing with the dynamics um yeah he he's constantly trying to be cool and just putting his foot in his mouth over and over (laughs) That, that was just yeah like those cool people tend to do, actually, sometimes. So <laughs> yeah. maybe it all works. <laughs> Where does this take place, by the way? Does it say? Is it like Arizona or some shit like that? Or does it even matter? <laughs> I don't think. It, I, I assumed it was like California. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I have no idea. I uh, I, I assume somewhere in California, but I don't know. Doesn't matter. I I don't know why I ask. It's probably because like when Julian Moore is like being her quote unquote like landscape person mm-hmm. like 
it's it's just nothing but cactuses. So I wasn't hundred percent sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, the plot yeah. synopsis uh, doesn't say where it's from, so it must be mm. just like generic area. Got it. <laughs> Gen- that's my favorite movie location. Anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it felt like California because it was kind of like it was suburbs, but when they went to. Um, when they went to Mark, like where Mark Ruffalo like worked and lived, it was more of like a, like urban area. Mm-hmm. Well, we got that settled. <laughs> Good. <laughs> that was really just driving me nuts. Let's talk about how, like, how Annette Benning. I thought, like, at first glance, I. At, once you, because like I had not seen this before, I didn't even look, look at the credits to see who it was. But I was like, "Oh, that's Annette Benning," and then I was like, "Or is it Switch from the Matrix?" I'm not a hundred percent sure. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out it is Annette Benning doing her Switch from the Matrix impersonation. <laughs> you just commenting on her short hair. Yeah, that might have been it. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, like, uh, yeah, I guess. (laughs) She looked like it. That's all. I mean, when when she says, not like this, not like this, like, that's pretty. (laughs) And and then the plug gets pulled. Yeah, I get it. I get it. No, but she's spectacular in this this movie. Like, Mm -hmm. her and Julian Moore, I think, I, like... They have, like, a real chemistry that, like, yeah, like, a lot of married couples, like, I don't want to say aren't perfect together, but, like, they're not perfect together. They're, like, they seem realistic and, like, one of them is a doctor, Annette Benning, and Julian Moore is, like, a, uh, I'd say entrepreneur, <laughs> kind of, but, like. Well, a, she a was fa- a stay-at-home <laughs> mom. She yeah. raised the kids. But then she's at the start of the movie. She's just getting into a like landscaping business. Yeah, and business I, in quotation marks. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and she I, only has I, one client. <laughs> and her that one employee she's got is, is great. <laughs> he's hilarious. Uh, he yeah, is he's great. great. Uh, the the I don't want to get too sidetracked with this the garden assistant, but like uh, the so there is a scene where like so Julian Moore has like this business and she has this employee that helps her like landscape and Mark Ruffalo like has her landscaping his like yard or whatever and julian moore and mark ruffalo end up like falling for each other and just start plowing like during the movie and, <laughs> yeah they bang like, hard yeah like it's it's great i was not expecting that in all honesty like for the just to be like blatantly shown but yeah. it's like oh shit like this is really going on and uh the gardener just wants to know where to put some rocks, but is just trying to get her attention over and over while they're banging. And just like the way when she comes out, and he can obviously tell what's been going on. He just like smirks at him and just like, yeah. he has this huge <laughs> grin on his face. Yeah. He's just like, I'm yeah. just trying to go to the bathroom. And he's like, Well, we'll take your time. Like, like <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, she like. Uh, she like very hastily put on her clothes, and she like 
forgot to put her shoes back on. So it was just like, it was like, what were you doing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's so great, though. Uh, that uh, when they were uh, when they start their affair, I that was one of the moments where they were playing it up for like the joke almost of like a lesbian wants to find out what a cock feels like and if this weren't written and directed by a lesbian like I would have been like alright come on this, yeah. Is, yeah. this is fucking stupid but I mean right. when you know that context you're like okay this is hilarious mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah. it does uh, it could have came off very like very cheesy and yeah. it could have went in a direction that uh kind of was worse than it actually was yeah and that goes the same for the the really the really funny sequence where they catch their kid uh like finding (laughs) their (laughs) their gay porn but it's male gay porn and they're lesbians Mm -hmm. and it's like yeah that that kind of shit is so it really makes a difference when you know that the creators of this are representing themselves in their work like that would have just been so i like legitimately might have changed my entire outlook on this movie if i knew that this was like written by like a white dude or something right uh like a white straight dude but yeah it makes a big difference that they're like playing off of the the comedy of that and can speak from a like position of like actual experience right mm-hmm. That it had some of the funniest moments actually come from that. Like after yeah. that scene, there was a just a like they think his their parent Julian Moore and Annette Benning think Josh Hutchinson's like their son is gay, and they want to try to confront him about it. But like they're just like they catch him watching gay porn with his friend. Like and. Like the funny thing is, like they're trying to give him like the birds and the bees, like parent talk. Like now, do you have any questions? And like <laughs> yeah. his his answers, like this is where some of the best comedy comes from. His answer is, like, why do you watch gay dudes like have sex <laughs> with each other? Like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it's just and then like, the, the answer that they gave. I was like, oh yeah, okay, that yeah, I buy that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or it's like it subverted my expectation of what like he could possibly ask in that given moment. Like it's yeah. great. And I, well, and then I was that's like the scene that uh, they confront him because they they think that for the entire movie they think he's having a relationship with his best friend. Fucking and, Clay. Yeah, God, Clay. I he's hate a Clay. shithead. <laughs> um, glad he fucking broke his arm or whatever. <laughs> he deserves it. Uh, but when they confront him about it, he thinks that they're, that they found out about how him and his sister met Mark Ruffalo. And mm-hmm. so he's like, I only met him one time. <laughs> Julia Moore is like, she's like, how did he, how did he find you? Did he find you online? And he was like, he's like, no, it's fine. Joni uh, came with me. And they're like, why was Joni there? <laughs> yeah. That's like some of the most classic misunderstanding comedy that just mm-hmm. plays off really well. Yeah. That whole joke, that whole scene could have been uh, like bad too, because I feel like that's very a trope that, yeah, you know. Yeah. They think they're two people think they're talking about two different things, but mm-hmm. I think it's the the charisma of all these actors really like the entire cast is so incredible that they just work yeah. 
so incredibly mm-hmm. off of each other. Well, and I think a lot of that has to do too with just the style that this is filmed in. Like it's, it almost feels like a comedy that's filmed as a drama, as if there are no jokes in it. The mm, yeah. like the way it's edited and shot, it did not feel really like you're watching a comedy. But there's so many funny moments in it like that that. If this were like an Adam Sandler movie, it just would look and feel totally different, even if it was all the same dialogue, right? Oh yeah. Right. So yeah, I, I I really liked the way that it the film was put together. It it it's a really nice looking movie, and mm-hmm. the a lot of the scenery is really cool too. Uh, all those desert plants. Oh, uh, <laughs> that California, or maybe Arizona, <laughs> or maybe just random space. We don't know. <laughs> Texas, who knows? Um. I have in my notes. I have written down in my notes. It says, "Mark Colin, read the room, my dude." What do you think that's in reference of? <laughs> We're our new segment. What does Ben's notes mean? <laughs> read the room. Let's see. Uh, is it maybe at the diner or the dinner scene where they like Annette Benning starts singing that song? Oh yeah, that was maybe weird. then. That was awkward. That was so awkward. I love it. It's, uh, I love that it was like, it felt very much like someone who just maybe just drank their glass of wine too fast and was mm-hmm. just like couldn't couldn't like. You know, just start, had to sing, had to sing along to Joni Mitchell and wasn't yeah. quite sure. <laughs> well, it, it felt like someone who is naturally very good in social situations, but is trying to overcompensate because they feel suddenly very awkward in one. Right. Like, yeah. it, it, so she was she's comfortable in carrying on conversation and being animated but she's very uncomfortable with the people she's with right now and so she's like just trying to fill that silence a little bit you know mm-hmm. that makes sense uh, also i love how she how she found out about the affair um which i'm sure you guys remember that there's an early scene where um where uh, they are like, they're like doing, they're like right about to go to bed, uh, Annette Benning and Julian Moore, and they're like doing their like hygienic routines. And um, Annette Benning pulls like a strand of hair out of the sink, and she's just like, she's like, ooh, gross, and just like tosses it off. And then uh, we call that. Chekhov's loose hair, guys. <laughs> I knew that's. Ex- I knew exactly what you're gonna say. <laughs> uh, because then at the she goes to the she goes to the restroom during the like dinner scene, and she finds she finds a long strand of hair in uh, in the sink, and of course she like immediately knows that it's her wife's, um, and then. You know, it's like, oh, I mean, like, she's like, she thinks like this is weird. So she inspects the the shower and then she in- inspects his bed. And it's just like, and then when she like returns and then she returns to the table and then all the everyone's talking over her, but all the 
dialogue is like muted out um, yeah. as if she's like she's just totally zoning out of the conversation is focused in that her wife boned this dude yeah and, she uh, can't yeah can't listen to anything else going on she's so stuck in her own mind in that moment that yeah. that is like that is where the movie turns right like it's mm-hmm. even even the the affair up to this point is played for a kind of a joke um, but this is when the like weight of it hits you and you're just like, oh, fuck. How, like now that she knows there is no going back, like this could f- destroy their family. Mm-hmm. Like what is going to happen? And so the whole rest of the movie plays out like a pretty intense drama yeah. with some pretty, you know, pretty affecting moments, too, I would say. <clears throat> I would agree with that. Yeah. Julia Moore gets a incredible speech at the end, like basically just like begging for forgiveness and then and because like she's like is sleeping on the couch like they're basically like separated and like not talking and um yeah she gives this very incredible emotional speech that's pretty powerful yeah um and it's that julian Moore ugly cry in there yes yes. gets me every time dude (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but they all come together to save their kids. They do what's best for their kids, but it leaves it kind of ambiguous as to, like, whether or not, like, that really did just F up their entire relationship. But, like, uh, I mean, yeah, it, it ends on a pretty bittersweet note, but, like, I do, I do wonder if they got us to that point a little too quickly. I, I kind of wanted right. to see the fallout a little bit more. It, it's almost like really the extent of it was like, oh, she's on the couch and they can't see their sperm dad anymore. And everyone's kind of quiet and sad. And then then she gives her speech and then their daughter's going to college. And that's the thing. Like, it's it's almost like their daughter going to college, like magically fixes it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there needed to be more communication, like active communication that I wanted to see. And like a a real struggle, like that isn't just implied because that's what it felt like. It felt like it was just kind of an implied thing where like, oh, they're they're having a rough time. That's and, you know, I I wish the final because I think it's what's implied is that like they still have to move on with their lives, like for their children and that they will eventually work through it, even if it's just time that they have to take. Yeah. Um, And yeah, I wish that the. I like the last scene with um, Joni, but I wish the the last scene with Laser was maybe different. Like maybe they were helping him out with something, right? Um, instead of just driving back from uh, from the university. Yeah, I had uh, another instance that kind of backs up your point, Tyler. And I have one thing to say before that is that I love that we've referred to Mark Ruffalo as sperm dad. (laughs) Uh, That was a good one. But the second uh, the thing I wanted to touch on is there was a scene where they're just Julian Moore and Annette Benning are out with their friends, like a couple of friends at a bar. And that's where, like, she starts just plowing through a bunch of wine and she asks for more wine, but everyone else declines but her. And they like her and Julian Moore start to, like, get into it. And... At that, there was that point there where, like, me and my wife were watching it, and my wife was just like, Why? Like, 
how is that all that that was like like they were having such like how is no one stormed out or yelled or this or that so like that kind of goes back to like the end where it's just like yeah their problem is really bad but it doesn't come off that way really i guess yeah. yeah, I mean that was that was before she even found out that she was having an affair, right. and they were just like talking about their other aspects of their marriage that weren't very satisfying, and it, yeah, like that. I actually thought that that was more of what we should have gotten at the end, right? Like this actual like conflict more than just the discovery and quiet reflection right mm-hmm. <laughs> there I, I that scene was very powerful because they're <laughs> actively working through their problems and that's not even the worst of their problems yet to come so yeah i i really liked that scene because it it showcased like what their actual issues were in their relationship and they were actually speaking their mind for the first time in a while mm-hmm. yeah i thought you were bringing up that scene because Annette Bening is a hundred percent an alcoholic and (laughs) it is, that's another thing that is like, it's constantly commented on, but it's like, it seems like she's definitely like on the verge of abusing alcohol, but like it's, it's only, it's not, it's not like commented on that it is alcoholism. It's just (laughs) like, it's just like, oh, you have one too many drinks, like, right. all, c- constantly, <laughs> yeah. like constantly at that level. <laughs> I guess if she, the director didn't want to include like that as a yet another like foil kind of for it. I mm-hmm. see that, but like, I kind of thought the same thing. Where it seemed like she was almost con- in control of her. Like she drank a lot at a lot of times, but the times when she didn't want to drink, she just said no. Like I won't have wine tonight. Like I'm doing this or like when she went out to see Mark Ruffalo or like agreed to go to dinner to Mark Ruffalo's house. Like yeah. she declined mm-hmm. wine there. Like well, but first, when yeah. she when she I, calms down and like they play that Joni Mitchell song, then she's like, oh, all of a glass of wine now. Sure, mm-hmm. sure, sure. I just didn't yeah. like how it, I worried that it was it was portrayed as like, you know, one of those quirks that like, oh, everyone's significant other has like that one thing that they can't stand. But like, you just have to live with it because you love that person. Right. And like, uh, I mean, that's that was like you're a micromanager. <laughs> you're an alcoholic. Like, oh, well. They're the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- those examples are a little extreme, but I mean, that's it's very relatable from my perspective, I guess. Like there are things that, that at, a, at a certain point you just have to be like, well, all right, we're just going to turn this into a running gag or else I'll go fucking crazy. Because if I like actually let it bother me all the time, we couldn't live together, you know? So, yeah, I, I don't know. I understand that. But I just feel like having a, having that that quality in a character, like having that they drink too much and not yeah. like I think that is dangerous. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sure. No, I can get that. I think I guess I felt like they portrayed it as more of she was drinking too much as a result of the other problems they have in their marriage. And Mm -hmm. it's not that like, 
I don't know. I, I didn't get the sense that they were showcasing that as like one of the things she has always done that's caused friction. It's like it's a newer development because they're not very happy together anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah, I just needed a um, maybe in the sequel they'll they'll talk about it more. Yeah. And that's the sequel. <laughs> I totally, my brain just totally accepted that for like five seconds. <laughs> oh, God. The kids are still all right. Um, yeah, it's just that something, when I think back on this movie, it's like the one, like, it's the one, like, plot line that I'm just like, oh, that didn't go anywhere and it bothers me. It the bothers kids are me right that it was to electric ruffalo. <laughs> electric <laughs> ruffalo. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, anything else on this movie? I think we were. Um, we're all very, uh, very positive. Um, Awesome movie. I, feel like I, I think <laughs> if you if you haven't seen that movie and you're trying to follow our conversation, I bet this movie sounds fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. Anything else for you guys? No. Um. The Matt? last thing that I want to say before we get to final thoughts is the. Uh. So I don't know if you guys did this, but in school. I took several like lit classes and we, we in several of the classes we would study like first lines and last lines in like both like books and movies. Mm -hmm. So it's just something that I think about a lot, like a first line and a last line, like Mm -hmm. the first line of star Wars force awakens is, uh, this will Wait, what is it? <laughs> it's, this will start to make things right or something. Uh, hmm. Which is very like meta, like talking about the prequels anyways. Okay. Yeah. So the last line in the kids are all right is thanks laser. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Someone uh. wrote that in a script and then was just like, that's it. We're done. <laughs> We've done the black. Yeah, fate of black. <laughs> um, all right, let's get into final thoughts. Uh, for every movie, we give Julian Moore a rating of one to five Julians. So, uh, Neil, what are your final thoughts? Sure. Uh, I thought it was, you know, a well-casted movie. Great cast. Uh, Julian Moore was good. Annette Bening was good. Mark Ruffalo, good. All and all the other supporting cast were really good. Uh, funnier than I thought it was going to be. And it took me by surprise. So, like, that was a just a nice little surprise that I cared for quite a bit. And it just has, like, yeah, and kind of how we were touching on earlier. Like, it was a movie written by that type of movie was written by the kind of person you know, that would live through that kind of thing. A lesbian couple and was written by this lesbian woman or whatever. Pretty, pretty great. And I think that once you know that, like you can just, you buy into everything a lot more. So I think, uh, and with that being said, I think I'm going to give it four out of five Julians. Hmm. All right. Um, yeah, I'm gonna, I I've been pretty positive on it this whole conversation, but I 
I don't want to use the word overrated, but I feel like we've kind of already expressed that in the sense that this movie really hasn't stuck around or had much of like a following, I guess, in the year since it released. I think it's just it, it like it just happened to be one of the best movies of that year which never necessarily means it's going to be the best movie in the surrounding years, right? Mm-hmm. So I it's totally worth watching, great performances all around, but it's just it's kind of just a solid B. Um so I'm going to give it three and a half Julians. Uh it's yeah, Julian Moore is really great in it. I loved her role and I loved her interaction and her chemistry with all these other characters and, you know, their complicated, weird, modern relationships. Um, and actually, I do want to point out something we didn't talk about much. The the kid actors in this, I mean, I guess they're probably in their late teens, maybe early 20s even, but they were wonderful. They, they had great chemistry with their co-stars, and I believe they were very believable as, you know, high school going into college kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I mean, that's pretty important in a movie that's literally, the title is about the kids, you know. So, um, yeah, it, just a solid B movie. I, I really, really liked it. Cool. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give this four out of five Julians. Um, I, yeah, I agree with you, Tyler. I think uh, it definitely, at the time it came out, I think it was very, it was um, a very popular film for, like, the reasons that, I mean, even today we don't see a lot of movies about uh, gay marriages. Um and yeah, I mean the cast is incredible, and I think that Julian Moore just really hits it out of the park in like every scene she's in. Um, and uh, yeah, um, yeah, I think it's a, I wouldn't say it's a must see, but I mean I think it's very worthwhile um, to watch, especially if you ha- if you've never seen it. I mean, put it on your list. Uh, let's get into recommendations. Uh, for every every episode, we leave you guys with some recommendations that don't necessarily have to be movie-related. Uh, so, Neil, what do you got to recommend for us? Uh, I've got a pretty exciting one, um, and it's probably not for everybody, and it's probably not feasible for quite a few people, but uh, I had the opportunity, and I talked about the, this band uh, probably a season or two ago now uh, the band BTS which is a Korean boy band pop band uh, <laughs> K-pop. K-pop band yeah I got to see them live in Chicago at Soldier Field not long ago oh wow and it was incredible like I, I I'd never been to like anything nearly that big before like I've been to like small Orpheum theaters for like some rock bands and things like that but like nothing to this scale and I'd never been to like a stadium like that for like just for like that single event and it was off the chain like I wasn't <laughs> I I like their music quite a bit my wife is just an enormous fan of theirs um, and like the it's completely different when you like go like 
to like something like this. Like the energy there is just like phenomenal and you feed off of that and like you get just pumped and uh, and it it doesn't I guess this doesn't specifically go for like BTS or whatever, but seeing like anybody in that, like I never would have thought I would like or would want to do. And I think there are some instances where I wouldn't still like mosh pits and all that garbage are not my thing, but like, I like that kind of music. Uh, but like something that's just like organized, there's like kind of like a sign seating, like no one's getting rambunctious. They're just there to like, see a great performance. Like it was awesome. Like, and it like they even had like these like light sticks that like are branded by them that you could buy and like a lot of the people had them like the fandom is just crazy and like they synced them all up via like bluetooth so like the whole crowd like different sections would be lit up differently and it was so awesome to like see or and everything was just in sync like they had fireworks and everything like and it was just and they were good for what it was worth too like they're they're good performers live so if there's a band in your area that's coming to a big theater like some like yeah like it's hectic getting in and out of there but like if they're playing for a few hours man i think it's worth it like i think i'd do that again for something along those lines again so that's kind of my that's kind of what i'd recommend like seeing something huge like on stage like that and just something you love that you're gonna like feed off the energy and enjoy nice yeah. Totally random aside, but uh, those light up things you're talking about, mm-hmm. um, I'm pretty sure that those are a technology that this like novice programmer invented that is, it doesn't use any Wi-Fi or Bluetooth or anything. It uses ultrasonic uh, audio to synchronize the lights. Whoa. So there's like a hidden audio track that you can't hear playing along. Uh, that synchronizes all the devices in the audience. As long as the device is close enough to hear the track, it can sync Whoa. to the light show. But oh, every, shit. Every dog in, like, a square <laughs> mile radius is just it's freaking also out. lighting up. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I was reading an article about that the other day, and this guy's, like, got giant... Uh, like he creates this software now for like dozens of NBA stadiums and stuff. And he was like, he started off doing this, like just in his bedroom. And I was like, damn, that is a freaking genius idea. That's crazy. That's yeah. pretty awesome. Especially wow. cause yeah. like with the amount of like cell phones you have just from the audience, like those, like you have to have a pretty like distinct frequency to <laughs> yeah, hit to try all and those devices. It, it, to connect anything over like that many devices over Wi-Fi or Bluetooth sounds like a nightmare. But when you yeah. can just beam information one direction with audio, that sounds sweet. That's crazy because I never I kind of was thinking that, too, when they had all this and they're like, yeah, this is it's like a light show going on with the thing you're holding in your hand. I was like, yeah. how does not all of this just get confused? Like, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, can't, I can't even connect to like my Wi-Fi and like my bathroom room or some shit like that <laughs> but like this thing can go throughout a whole stadium like Freaking it's smart man nuts that's crazy yeah. nuts uh yeah cool well I'll, i'm gonna i'll piggyback off yours a little bit and do one quick uh recommendation for beyonce's homecoming uh documentary mm. and show on netflix or is it on it's on netflix right 
Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can't remember where I watched it, but it's on Netflix and it's phenomenal. I mean, it's Beyonce. It doesn't need much more explanation beyond that. I, I'm not like a giant fan of hers, but I just like really respect her as an artist and mm. she's doing some freaking insane stuff. Um, yeah, it's, so, her, it's her Coachella performance from last year, right? That's right. Yeah. So it's, and it is, it is one of the most, uh, audacious live music performances I've ever seen. They have, they had a live, uh, orchestra slash marching band playing with them the whole time. And like to the point where it's kind of like, um, you guys familiar with Metallica S and M album where they played with an orchestra. It's like that level of integration. Like it, her songs are practically rewritten to be scored with like a drum line instead of her regular backing tracks. So it's just, it's incredible. Yeah. The whole performance is like drum line, orchestra, violins, like crazy. It's really, really cool. And there's little, little like tidbits where it goes into kind of behind the scenes stuff about how they did it. And it's just like an insane amount of work for like basically two performances that she put on at Coachella. Mm -hmm. So yeah, check that out. Um, but my, my real recommendation is going to be for, uh, dreams PS4. It's a game on the PlayStation four called dreams. And to call it a game is really not doing its service. This is, uh, currently an early access on PS4. Uh, from the creators of Little Big Planet, uh, Media Molecule, and it's if you're familiar with Little Big Planet, it's basically Little Big Planet on steroids. This is a like game engine that is built to be used on your console with a controller instead of at like a desktop computer with mouse and keyboard. The level of customiz- customizability and uh, just sheer volume of tools you have at your disposal is staggering um just go on youtube and just search for cool shit in dreams and it is like unbelievable what some people are making in this thing it's gonna add uh psvr support soon and i'm just at i'm like going crazy waiting for that to launch because some of the stuff in there is going to be incredible to see in vr Hmm. um and I'm trying to I'm trying my hand at creating some stuff in it. I've been I've been doing a, like dabbling in music creation for a while. And actually, I made the theme song for this podcast, but I haven't done a whole lot more than that. And so, but the music tools in this game are just crazy, crazy deep. You can get you can create entire like performance sets where you could have like a a visual accompaniment to the music that you've created in the game and so that's my goal right now is to make a couple tracks with like a interactive visual to accompany them um so yeah i'm having a blast with it it's incredibly powerful if you have even the slightest bit of a creative streak in you this is like crack um yeah it's, it's awesome and then even if you don't like to create stuff i would say wait another three months and there will be more amazing content in this game than you could ever possibly play through like that's the cool part about it right like when a a game studio can uh enable the creativity of their community 
And people are already flocking to this thing because the tools are so deep. And so there's going to be some incredible experiences in the next few months. So keep an eye on it. Um, check it out if you're interested. But yeah, that's Dreams for PS4. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. I'm really the I've just hearing people talk about that game. It just sounds so like crazy, but I'm really excited to see like what people like make from it. Oh yeah, you're yeah. gonna. It, it, it's one of those games where, it, and it's already happening, where game uh, journalism outlets are going to be writing entire articles about single like creations that are made in this thing. Yeah, somebody already recreated the entire um, PT demo that oh, yeah. was <laughs> the, that um, uh, playable trailer for the post Silent Hills creation that was going to be made that got canceled. Like somebody already recreated that, like almost exactly, which is insane. Mm-hmm. And so weird, weird stuff like that is, is popping up. So it's very, very cool. Cool. Uh, I would like to recommend the movie black Klansman. This is, uh, this is the movie from last year by Spike Lee. Um, which I think won him a um, an Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay. Uh, but this is about the... Uh, it's a true story that's about the police officer in Colorado Springs, uh, Ron Stallworth, who, uh, who is an African-American, and he infiltrates the uh, a local branch of the KKK. And with the help of um, a white police officer, they go undercover and basically like take down this local branch of the KKK. And it even like goes all the way to the top and uh, David Duke gets involved, um, who you might know from a few years ago because he was the one of the only supporters of uh, our current president. <laughs> um, but uh, this is uh, the Ron Stallworth is played by an actor called uh, John David Washington. And from his credits, it doesn't seem like he's in a lot of movies, but he is absolutely incredible in this movie. I, was shocked at just how um, perfect he fit this role and just how like he really um, because he's playing across from Adam Driver um, who plays the uh, the other officer in this investigation and he has a lot of scenes with Topher Grace who plays David Duke (laughs) Um, and they like he like holds his ground against like all these great actors and um, Adam Driver is incredible. Topher Grace is incredible. Like this is a pretty, I was like stunned at how great this movie is. And also like for how, um, for how like dark the subject matter is, it's very funny. It's a very like funny movie. Um, about like kind of these just absolutely um, abhorrent people, uh, <laughs> but and yeah, and the other thing I just I haven't looked too much up on this movie, like what's real and what's not. 
Um, but I just did a little research before we started to record, and um, almost all of it is like completely true, which is kind hmm. of shocking. Uh, there's a uh, there's a love interest in this movie that is completely uh, fabricated. She's her entire character's um, fiction, and that's kind of like that's kind of like the only like way they Hollywood this story up. Um, but there's a lot of like feel good, like taking down the KKK moments. And, uh, I'm kind of surprised that like, it's all, it's all very factual. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen this movie, um, uh, definitely. I think this is like a must see, especially in, you know, this movie takes place in the seventies. Um, and it's very resident now. Um, like there's a, there's a character, uh, in this, who is talking about David Duke and, um, he's like this guy, he, all he cares about is spreading hate and eventually it will get to like, his hate will spread to rich billionaires and he will eventually get someone who shares that hate into office. And it's like, (laughs) obviously there, this is like was filmed post Trump, but it's like, obviously that's like, they're talking about him. And it's like, it's a very, like, it's a story that I think everyone needs to like hear and just kind of like grapple with (laughs) what the hell is going on and what, like what's been going on in this country for decades and will probably be going on for several more decades. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm glad that it's funny because I feel like it would be painful <laughs> to, oh, yeah. to watch if it weren't. It's just, yeah, man, sometimes those kind of movies, it's the, that you got to have a little bit of uh, comedic relief to even make it watchable. But yeah, it's, I've heard so so many good things about this, and it's on my uh, HBO watch list since I've got that going for Game of Thrones right now. <laughs> yeah, th- yeah, it's on HBO now. That's that's how I watched it. Um, but yeah, it's not. It's an easy watch. It's not difficult. And I mean, if you kind of like crime movies, you know, like movies about undercover cops, like I think this is perfect. Mm, and yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I wonder if it's perf. It's like, it's done purposefully that it is kind of like an easy watch, because yeah, yeah if it was, um, if it was, if it was difficult, you know, it'd be. I mean, and not there are difficult moments, and there is like tension, like it's everything you mm-hmm. you're looking for. Um, but it's not like American History X or something no. like that. No, yeah. no, no. Yeah. no. No. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, but yeah, this um, this guy, John David Washington, like he's gonna he's uh, he's gonna be in the next Christopher Nolan movie, uh-huh. and um, I mean, I just hope he's I hope he becomes a huge star because he, he is pretty incredible in this movie. Um. Uh, okay, that has been it for this episode of credits due uh thank you for joining us and um i hope you'll 
Join us again in two weeks for our next film where we talk about Crazy Stupid Love, um, a movie that I haven't seen, um, even though this, I think this really launched like several careers. Um, I remember it being huge, um, but never saw it. Nope. Me neither. Same. Cool. <laughs> Great. <laughs> cool. It's a date. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Can't wait to talk about this movie. Um, Very excited. Uh, And until then, uh, Tyler, why don't you tell the people where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Tyler Owen, or you can check out some of the games that I make on my website, randomseedgames.com. You can find me, Neil, on Twitter at Dino Neilman. You can find me on Twitter at Cronmaster, that's C-R-O-G-H-A-N Master. And you can follow the show at Credits Do Pod. Um, until then, uh, thanks for joining us. I hope you will join us when we talk about Crazy Stupid Love. And uh, until then, remember, as always, go easy on the wine, hun. It's daytime. Yeah, you don't want to be drinking that wine during the day. <laughs> <laughs>